Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. There's a story in Scotland, there was an old preacher who was getting depressed when he thought of his old age and that his death was probably coming soon. And he needed to move out of his house to a new house. And once the, his servants moved all the furniture, he stood and lingered in the doorway, looked at the empty rooms where he had raised his children and he felt so sorry. But then one of his servants came up to him and said, Sir, all the furniture's moved. Come to your new house. It's better than this old house. And the preacher felt at that moment, without the servant even knowing it, that God had preached to him. Yes, your new house is coming, but it's better than the old house. <laughs> We're going to talk about heaven today. <clears throat> I remember when I was 19 years old, my dad died. We lived in a pretty nice size house in Omaha. But after dad died a year later, we moved into this small apartment. And I can remember driving home one day and caught myself, hey, I'm driving toward my old house. And I had to turn around and drive toward the apartment. And I got depressed because I love that old house. But you know what? We will never feel like that when we're in heaven. We're never gonna think, oh, I wish I could go back down there. In fact, what I tell people who are dying, when we get to heaven, we're going to look back and say, why did I scratch and claw to stay down there? <laughs> so, you know, if the doctor tells you, you have three months to live, well, that will be hard because we're human, but we ain't seen nothing yet. Our next house is going to be great. What I want to talk about on this program is what will heaven be like? We have a beautiful description of heaven in Revelation chapter 7. Would you open there and let's answer the question, what will heaven be like? Let's pray first. Father, we pray now for anyone who is facing death or the sadness of old age. or Lord, we would pray that you'd put a smile in our hearts knowing that our next house is going to be so much better than this one. Speak to us, Lord, about heaven, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. John has a vision of the end of time. It's called the book of Revelation. And we read this description of heaven, Revelation 7, starting at verse 9. <clears throat> After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number. Here's the first thing I want to say about heaven. It will be heavily populated. So many people you can't count. <laughs> and then later, later in Revelation 21, it says the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Uh, it'll be 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles high. It's like this huge cube. <laughs> you know, some people think hell will be full and there'll just be a few people in heaven. Not according to this verse. A huge number no one can count. I mean, if you count up all the Old Testament believers, all the believers from the New Testament for the next 2,000 years, that's lots of people. Verse 9, 
and they come from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues. Here's the next thing to say. Heaven will be multiracial and multicultural. Long before it was hip to be multiracial and multicultural, the New Testament church was. We were way ahead of our time. And that's why racism is a sin. I used to take my car to a mechanic, Christian man, but when he worked on my car now and then, he'd let slip a racial slur. Finally, I said to him, you know, I know some fine Christian people from that race. You know, the reason racism is a sin, watch your jokes, watch what words you use for different races, because you're going to be spending eternity with those people. <laughs> and let me give you now the definition of heaven. Look at verse 9. Here's the definition of heaven. They are standing before the throne, that's God the Father, and before the Lamb, that's Jesus. Let me give you the definition of heaven. Heaven is to be in the presence of the Father and the Son, before the throne and the Lamb. Sometimes you hear people say, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven to see my husband again. Or I can't wait to, to, to see my five-year-old daughter that died. And I got an email about a week or so ago. Pastor Brock, I can't wait to get to heaven and see my dog. <laughs> well, no offense, but you don't get it. What makes heaven heaven is not your dog. What makes heaven heaven is you will be in the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what's going to blow you away. <laughs> a man was visiting a Christian friend of his who was dying in the hospital. Both men were Christian. He took his Bible and he said to his dying Christian friend, can I read to you the sweetest verse in the Bible? John 14, Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Isn't that the sweetest verse? And his dying friend said, no, the next verse is the sweetest verse. Read that. And if I go away, I will come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And he said, that's it. That's the sweetest verse. It's not the mansion I want. It's himself that I want. <laughs> what makes heaven heaven? Definition of heaven. You're in the presence of the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Look at verse 9. And they were standing before the throne, clothed in white robes. That symbolizes this. Heaven will be a place of purity. Somebody asked, will I be tempted to sin when I get to heaven? And I said, no, hallelujah. That's what makes heaven heaven. I won't have to put up with fighting my flesh anymore. I mean, you know, I, I've dealt with people in my ministry, who fight, Christian people, who fight various addictions. It's a hard fight for some people. Hallelujah, the day is coming when you won't have to put up with fighting your flesh anymore because heaven will be pure and free from sin. Verse 10, And they, these believers in heaven, cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne. What They're worshiping here. And, and, and that's the next thing to say. Heaven is a place of worship. Have you ever been in a church service and they sing some beautiful old hymn or they sing some new contemporary worship song and you get goosebumps? It's so beautiful. 
multiply that times a million, and that's heaven. <laughs> you know, take this for what you think it's worth, but this has happened maybe three times to me. I'll, I'll have a dream that I'm asleep, but I dream that I stand before heaven and the gates open up and this beautiful music pours out and then I wake up and I want to go back. <laughs> the, the worship in heaven will be incredible. Look at verse 10 and answer this question. What will we praise God for when we're in heaven? And the answer is, it says, salvation belongs to our God. We will mainly, I think, for eternity, praise God for saving us and forgiving our sins. And I, did, I knew this woman who started coming, I believe, to my church years ago. And she said, Pastor Brock, before I started coming to church, I didn't realize what a sinner I am. But ever since I've accepted Christ, wow, am I a sinner. And I said to her, well, that's kind of the way it works. The closer we get to God, the more we realize we aren't him, and the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see our sinfulness. But I said to her, the good news is the greatest saints in the last 2,000 years have always seen themselves to be the greatest sinners. <laughs> One thing for eternity we will praise God for is that he forgave our sins and gave us salvation. Look at verse 11. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and wisdom and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And now we're going to see how to get into heaven. Verse 13. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, Those who are clothed in white robes, who are they? And from where have they come? And I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. According to that, two things get these people into heaven. Number one, they go through tribulation there, it says. In Acts chapter 14, it says, Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God, you know, perhaps you've read this popular book series called Left Behind. In America, for the last 200 years or so, many Christians have believed that Christians aren't on earth until the second coming. We disappear from the earth seven years before Jesus comes back. We miss the horrible tribulation coming uh, before the end of time. We go to heaven. I don't believe that. I don't see that in the Bible. We're promised persecution in this world. Look at the first 300 years of Christendom. We were thrown to the lions. We were boiled in oil. We were frozen on lakes. The first 300 years of Christianity was terrible tribulation. Who says we're not going to have that before the end again? And if you were to ask the Christians in Afghanistan and Iraq and the Sudan and Somalia, do you think Christians will go through the tribulation? They'd say, what do you mean, will? They've been dying for years over there for Christ. So to get into heaven, they went through the tribulation. But the second thing, and this is the way to get into heaven, verse 14, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The way to get into heaven 
be washed in the blood. The blood simply refers to Christ's atoning death on the cross. If you believe he died for your sins, then he washes you of your sins through his atoning death on the cross. That's the way. You know, the Bible says nothing unclean shall enter heaven. Well, the problem is we're all unclean. We're sinners. So how do we get in? He washes us through the death, the atoning death of Christ, through Christ's blood, and then we get in. Uh, one old, old scholar, Alfred, said this, The act of being washed is a lifelong one. The continued purification of the person, body, soul, and spirit, by the application of the blood of Christ in its cleansing power. It's a continual thing. I, we had a dog when I was a boy, Susie. Susie hated getting a bath. We, we, we almost gave up and just, we'd do it now and then. We'd have to hold her down. She tried to bite us. We, we washed the dog and then mom and dad would say, don't let her out of the house. Because <laughs> here's what Susie would do. The second she could, she'd get out the door and we'd watch through the window. She'd go over to the dirt uh, pile and she'd roll in the dirt right after she got washed. The reason we continually need to go to church, I hope you go to a good church, if not, find one. The reason we need to take communion regularly, the, the reason I need to hear scriptures and the promises of God. Uh, I didn't just get washed of my sins when I got saved. I daily need to be washed of my sins. The way you get into heaven is you go through the tribulation and you let Jesus be your Savior, wash your sins away. If you haven't said to him, yes, Lord Jesus, I want that, I need that, I'm yours, then go get baptized in a good church and follow him. Look at verse 15. For this reason, because they're washed in the blood, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. All right, look at that verse and, and here's the question. What will our job be in heaven? It says to serve him. I knew a, a woman who worked with Satan worshipers at a theater in Chicago. She was a Christian woman and the Satan worshipers would mock her and say, you know, while you're up in heaven strumming on a harp, bored on a cloud, we're going to be down in hell having a good time. And I think she said to her, the, her friends, you've, you've made two mistakes. Number one, hell is not fun. It's eternal punishment. But number two, who says serving God's going to be boring? You don't know that. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> Lastly, let's look at the four blessings of heaven. Verse 15. And the four angels, excuse me, verse 15 up here. Um, and he who sits on the throne, God the Father, shall spread his tabernacle over them. He will shelter them. Number one blessing in heaven is God is our shelter. He's our shelter. Now, you know, in, in America, that doesn't sound like that big a deal, but there are a lot of people in the world that don't have shelter. That's going to be a big deal for them when they're in heaven. Number one blessing of heaven is shelter. Number two is verse 16. And there shall be hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun be down on them any more, neither any heat. The second blessing of heaven, there's no hunger, there's no thirst, there's no discomfort. Uh, again, for us in America, that's not maybe that big a deal. But there are people in the world who go to bed hungry every night. Heaven is going to be great for them. And then look at verse 17. And the lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd. 
Here's the next blessing of heaven. The lamb will be our shepherd. This is a beautiful analogy. Jesus is the lamb of God who was sacrificed for our sins. He's a, he's a lamb, and at the same time, he's also the shepherd in one person. He'll be our lamb and shepherd. And then verse 17, And he shall guide them to springs of the water of life, and God shall wipe every tear from their eyes. The last blessing of heaven is no tears. When my dad was dying, when I was 19 years old, I'd go visit him in the hospital. There was a lady down the hall that would scream when they, sh they changed her, her bandages. And I remember visiting dad more than once and just hearing the most horrible screams. <sighs> when we're in heaven, that's all gone. No tears in heaven. I, I talked to a lady a while ago who's dying, dear Christian woman, and she said, Pastor Brock, will you do my funeral? And I said, I'd be pleased to do your funeral. And she said, at my funeral, will you please tell the sheep story? <laughs> and I'm going to tell it at her funeral. And if you've watched the show a lot, you've probably heard this story. But here's the story. Many years ago, there were no sheep in Australia. They wanted to populate Australia with sheep. So a large ship full of sheep left from England for the long journey to Australia. They had a lot of dry hay on board, long journey. When they reached the shore of Australia, a fog settled in so they couldn't land the boat. And for, I don't remember, maybe two or three days, they had to stay offshore. And during that time, the sheep refused to eat. And they were afraid they were going to lose the, the livestock here. Then the fog lifted. The ship landed, the sheep went up on the green hills, ate, and were saved. What had happened was, while they were offshore, the sheep could smell the green grass on the hills, and it made them lose all their appetite for the dry hay. <laughs> I think that's a picture of the Christian life. Sometimes we go through life, it gets rough, but hallelujah, we've got a whiff that there's another side. And, and C.S. Lewis said this, Think of yourself just as a seed, patiently wintering in the earth, waiting to come up a flower in the gardener's good time, up into the real world, the real waking. I suppose that our whole present life, looked back on from there, will seem only as a drowsy half-waking. We are here in the land of dreams, but one day we'll be in the real world. And I'm going to close with this. Do you remember this old hymn? Just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of taking a hand and finding it God's, of breathing new air and finding it celestial, of waking up in heaven and finding it home. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, in light of your sermon today, I have a couple of questions for you. Mm -hmm. and. Um, 
maybe you can clear this up for us. Do we go to heaven immediately when we die, or do we sleep until Judgment Day? Yeah. Now, Jackie, we've answered that question many times on this TV show because I think that's probably the most common question I've received through the years, and it came in again with an email. So the answer is yes to both. I think your soul, your spirit, immediately goes to be with Christ upon death. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Paul says it's better to depart and be with Christ. But then there is our verses about sleeping until you're raised on the last day. That'll happen too. We, our spirit goes to be with Christ. I think my grandma is consciously with Christ, but she doesn't have her new resurrection body yet. And we get that on the last day to live in for eternity. So both are true. Okay, so will a person know their loved ones when they're in heaven? Okay, will I be able to say, well, there's my grandma Loski? I think I will. And the verse I use for that, Jesus said, you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. I've never seen Abraham, but I know, I'm going to know there's Abraham. So I think I'm going to know their grandma. Okay, but if you don't see somebody that you think is in heaven, isn't that going to sadden you? Maybe God will... I don't know how he does it. Heaven will be a place of joy, so okay. he'll make us understand things so that it's, it's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm married, and I guess the next question I have is, will I be married in heaven? You know, the answer is no. Jesus said, those who attain to that age neither marry nor are given in marriage. In other words, Jackie, I think you'll know there's Fred, but you won't be married to him because we don't need to have marriages and repopulate and have kids because nobody dies in heaven. So you will not, you, I think you'll know there's my spouse, but you won't be married to them. Yeah. And, and I should add this too. Jesus said we'll be like angels in that we're single, but the Bible never says we're gonna become angels. Angels are a different category. Humans go to heaven and, and they become saints in heaven, you know, so. You know, Tom, there's so many people that have pets in that, and particularly like dogs and cats, yeah. particularly. And I guess the question is, if a person has a dog, would their dog be in heaven? I, got I mean, an, that's their love. I know. I got an email from a woman. Pastor Brock, thank you for your very comforting sermon on heaven. This is a different sermon. Uh, now I know I'll see my dog again. What did you say to prompt yeah. that? Well, well, here, here's what, here's what I think that will happen. I don't. This is my opinion. There's no Bible verse that says dogs will be in heaven, but there's no Bible verse that says they won't be. But I'm so I'm going to give you my opinion. I don't think animals have eternal souls, so my guess is I won't see my dog Susie in heaven. On the other hand, if God. Um, Let's animals be in heaven. That's up to him. There will be creatures in heaven, you know, the seraphim and such. So, yeah. Will, will we recognize people, Tom? We answered that. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So, would you explain what is the third heaven? In Second Corinthians chapter uh, uh, twelve, Paul says that he was caught up into heaven to the third heaven. He has a vision of heaven. Then he comes back down. I thought there was only one well, there, So what does he mean by the third heaven? Mormons have it all spelled out wrongly, that if you're real good and a good Mormon, you go to heaven number one, not so good, you go to heaven number two. If you're a bad person, you go to heaven number three. The Bible never teaches that. So why does Paul say I was caught up to the third heaven? Um, I think it's this. The first heaven is, is the atmosphere. 
The second heaven is the stars. The third heaven is where God is. I think that's what he meant by that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is it possible that after a long time, God might let people leave hell and go to heaven? No, because if you read Luke chapter 16, Jesus talks about the rich man in hell begging to get out. And Abraham says, nope. So once you're in hell, you're there for eternity. Once you're in heaven, hallelujah, you're there for eternity. You, you don't switch places. You don't want to if you're in heaven, but yeah. Does God allow people or give people a second chance to accept Christ after they die? Uh-uh. I don't think so. There's no okay. indication of that. Jesus told a parable and he said, when the householder gets up and shuts the door, you're going to knock on the door saying, let me in. And he says, I never knew you. So once the door's shut, it's shut. You know, Tom, you hear about people who say they've had a death experience. Mm-hmm. A near death That experience. people, yeah. you know, they talk about that. Yeah. Um, what do you say to that? All right, my opinion is some of them are probably the real deal and some of them are phonies. I mean, I, How I remember... How does somebody tell the difference? Well, I, it's got to be a biblical thing. And I, I saw Betty E.D. wrote a book called Embraced by the Light, and I think Oprah loved the book. And she got caught up into heaven and Jesus told her, I'm not God. Well, the Bible teaches Jesus is God. It was a phony $3 bill. On the other hand, I know a man and, uh, who's, he, he does the finances for this ministry. He's one of our volunteers. He died, I believe, at the construction site, came back to life, people were amazed. He saw two men sitting at a table in a room. He went through this tunnel into that room and they said, you have to go back. And then he amazingly came to, and he's been doing our finances. I think that's why he came back. <laughs> but uh, so I think there are true stories, but only the Lord knows some of this stuff. Okay, so do you think like psychics can actually sometimes contact the dead, no, dead loved I, ones? No, I think psychics are a three-dollar bill, and I think. Christians are told to stay away from people who are trying to contact the dead. That's an abomination. I think most of them are charlatans. Uh, maybe they're sincere. What is a charlatan? Well, they're uh, charading. They're, okay. they're pretending. Now, on the other hand, they, I think demons are real. Maybe they're in touch with some demonic stuff. But the dead are dead, and they're in heaven or hell. They're not talking to people on earth. Okay. So are ghosts? real then? or I don't think so. I think when you die, you go to heaven or hell, according to Luke 16, you don't float around the planet haunting houses. So I, I think, again, I think they're demons. Maybe people think it's ghosts, but it's demonic activity. That could be. Okay. Well, this is a two-part one for okay. you. How old will we be in heaven? And then I guess the second part of it is, will unbaptized babies be in heaven? Well, quick answer, because we got five seconds. I don't know how old we'll be. Uh, we'll be holy and perfect, but the age we don't know. And the baptized babies ones, we'll wait till next time. All right. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. We pray God will be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. 
If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.